He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I think probably one of the best traits of a good concierge is adaptability. Every day we're throwing something new and arguably we have to make the impossible possible. And so that specific, I, I would say a trait more than maybe a skill, but a trait of being adaptable, being flexible and being like, okay, we're just going to figure it out. Uh, for those that really have that, they've been able to kind of make the best out of this year. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. All right, everybody, welcome back to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. What an exciting episode because we have the one, the only Sarah Dandishi Dandelion. I'm just kidding. Uh, Sarah Dandishi on here from Ask a Concierge. So Sarah, all the way from Lisbon right now, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I, by the way, I'm so excited to talk to you because we have been chatting online for, for some, for some time now. A and couple it's weeks. Great that, yeah. Right. And yeah. it's, it's great to, from Clubhouse, LinkedIn, you name it. Um, yeah. So so excited and, and honored to be on. So thank you again so much. And yeah, coming to you live from Lisbon. <laughs> I know that's so crazy. The ability that podcasting gives us to have these conversations is quite incredible, I have to say. And you understand that yourself being a podcaster. Um, I totally like the first time I ever heard of you was from LinkedIn because you shared the episode with David Lund, the hotel financial coach. And uh, I was like, who is this Sarah Dandishy lady? And uh, like this research. And then when I ran into you guys on Clubhouse, it just was like, all right, yeah, I have to get you on the show because I saw you get to interact. And like, granted, I've listened to your podcast a little bit. Now I've like figured out who you are. So for the audience on my end who may not know, Tell yeah. us about who you are, what your background is, and give us a little sneak peek into your life. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, well, I'm Sarah Dandishi. I am behind the brand Ask a Concierge. For context, I've actually worked in the hospitality industry for over 15 years, and of at least the 15 years as a hotel concierge. I was um, part of the organization and still am part of the organization Les Clés d'Or, which is the gold keys of concierge. And so, like I always say, that I kind of have grown up on the front lines of travel. And, um, you know, so that's my hospitality background. I've worked at uh, Four Seasons, Fairmont, Peninsula, and then more boutique hotels. And a couple of years ago, I ended up, what I like to say is going beyond the concierge desk. And mm -hmm. I started doing video blogs and that's where Ask mm -hmm. a Concierge was born. So I started talking about what to eat, see, and do in Los Angeles. And honestly, naively at the time I was like, okay, who's going to want to pay attention to this? Like, I don't know. It's going to be so boring. And very quickly realized that the content that I was creating was not only useful for travelers coming to Los Angeles, but even Angelinos found it interesting. They were mm. all really, you know, they were like, wow, now I know what I can do on the weekend, or I know about new restaurants, whatever it is. So it was a really, I, I like to say, you know, in my life, and I think all of us and all of our lives, we have these moments, these happy accidents that kind of just happen. Yeah. And you're like, 
whoa, so glad. And really creating Ask a Concierge, even the name, I was like, I guess I'll just call it Ask a Concierge, all kind of came together so happenstance, but it was one of those like lucky moments that, oh, I think I'm onto something here. Mm -hmm. And now it's grown and I, I do work with a lot of um, big travel companies, uh, sort of as a travel influencer, dare I say, and then uh, you know do <laughs> news segments as a travel expert, and then also work with uh, different hotel companies like I am right now in Lisbon as a hospitality consultant. So um, a lot of a lot of different verticals to my business now, but it it's been yeah. an exciting journey. Well, I love the aspect of the concierge part, just because when you're in hospitality consulting and helping brands and hotels and properties, I think the concierge touch has been kind of missing in some areas and some segments of hotels. And so it's like the concierge really is that relationship builder with the community, with the local businesses, with these attractions that and experiences that are really what people are there to do. Um, so I think that you highlighting that really helps with just where, especially where the industry is today. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's also arguably it's like, how does like the hotel, you know, or a hotelier mm -hmm. like relate to the city, the destination, you know, there's mm -hmm. a, that's, that's a big part of the, you know, being a concierge and then also kind of having your finger and everything in the hotel as well too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're kind of like the liaison of everything. It's like, all right, we're just going to make all the dots connect. I love it. Yeah, exactly. um, how, so let's see, when did you start Ask a Concierge? Like how long has this been in creation and flourishing from when you were actually a concierge on property? So yeah, um, I started this in uh, like middle of 2012. So now okay. ooh, it's going on almost nine years. Uh, so wow. it has been, it has, I've been doing it for quite some time. Now keep in mind, it did start with the social media aspect, the content creation and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when you're, it was a side hustle. It was my side mm -hmm. hustle. And I, I put all my money into it. And I mean, I, I was like, I would work to like earn money to then pay a videographer. Uh, you know, when I was doing stuff that I wasn't getting paid for. And I mean, I probably took the long routes and maybe I could have done it faster, you know, but um, I, I mean, I faster. was probably shelling out my own funds for this dream that I knew was something for at least five years. Mm. Uh, and then started making money a little bit by a little bit. And then I got to a point in 2019, I was like, okay, I'm at the point where I think I'm actually losing money coming to work. And the benefit of, of being in a hotel and also the benefit of working, you know, my final property that I've been working at as a concierge was the London West Hollywood. And mm -hmm. I say that because I'm forever grateful for them because they, they, they have been incredible. Like if I needed to do photos, I could do photos like on property because they understood it was extra advertising for them. Mm -hmm. And um, they, they really worked with me and I was really lucky that they also worked with me with my schedule. And so I got to this point where I was like, okay, well, I think I'm actually losing money coming to work as in like, I'm just getting so tied up. So let me just, when it comes to starting your own business, it's like training wheels. So let me like try and like go down to part-time hours. And I did, and I ended up still getting more work. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm onto something here. Uh, and then at the start of 2020, I had already made the decision that in 2020, whether it was a probably the, the second quarter would be when I would probably leave the hotel entirely. Well, lo and behold, the pandemic happened uh, and I got furloughed um, <laughs> and it was like, okay. And I had this moment that I was like, 
okay, we're furloughed. And, you know, based in Los Angeles too, where a lot of things were closed down, certainly in mm. bigger cities, things are far more locked down and numbers, uh, occupancy numbers are far lower than I think like resort destinations and, and open, you know, um, outdoor destinations and that. So, and the, you know, basically was furloughed for quite some time. And in that time, you know, I had two things. One was how do I stay relevant on social media when I'm not traveling? You know, and that's where I kind of like I took a look at the landscape and I was like, nobody's really talking about what's happening in the industry. So that's when I started doing my travel industry updates. Mm -hmm. And just from doing that, next thing you know, I started booking more TV and started getting more opportunities, which just goes to show you if you really can play the game right on social media and see where there are um where there are gaps and you can fill that gap, it, it can benefit you. So that was the one part is like, how do I keep the travel content going when I'm not traveling from basically from my living room? And then the second part is what do I do about the hotel? So first, when it came to travel content, I basically like looked at the landscape and saw what was out there and there was a gap. Nobody was really covering or talking about travel industry updates, like what's happening in the industry. So I started doing those and those videos ended up really gaining a lot of traction. And I got a lot of opportunities from that as well too, from doing TV segments and, and it helped me collect, connect with a lot more people within the industry as well too, which has been so incredible. Um, mm. But then the second part of it was then, okay, well, it was already my goal to kind of like take the training wheels off and, and ride solo and, and do my, my own thing. And, I knew that there was going to be a time that the hotel was going to call me back. And what was my answer going to be? Because as we all know, it's scary to take that, that leap and you have to have mm -hmm. that faith in yourself. And, but I made the decision that I was like, okay, when the time comes, you know, I'll, you know, take a step back and make sure that, you know, for my position that at least one of my colleagues has a position to go back to. So I ended up making the, the decision to go off of being furloughed and, being ultimately laid off. And, um, you know, two of my colleagues have now been able to work. And mm. I'm, so I'm happy that I was able to do that. Uh, but then also for myself, just to be like, okay, let's do this, even if it's in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you and I definitely connect on that, because it's the scariest thing. Um, especially, but I think it's super cool that like, you just gave that opportunity, not like, it was life or death, for, so to say, for your colleagues, but just giving them the opportunity to actually go back because they didn't have like a fallback plan. They didn't have a side hustle possibly that were, they were wanting to pursue the full-time. So to kind of take that step and trust in yourself, but then also be like, hey, um, this is probably a good opportunity for you guys to, to get back to work as well. So I think that's super cool. Um, my story in the beginning of, of 2019 was kind of like the similar thing. I was like in September, like, okay, I'm going to quit my job as a hotel manager and pursue podcasting like I, I love this I am losing money to come to work especially on salary like you're working a ton of hours I lived right next to the hotel so I was there yeah every waking moment of the day all the time yeah exactly like I literally was condo hotel condo hotel like walking just like two steps away and so it was always there and uh I had different plans as well to, to travel and to do all these things with the podcast. And, and then, uh, you know, February, March hit and we're all like, Oh, great. 
So JK. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. But you, you have like that, like that step. I think you can probably uh, relate to this is like, you've already taken that step to go solo and yeah. you don't like, I'm pretty sure now that we've been in this for, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 months almost. Yeah. Um, that we're like, okay, we could probably go to a hotel or find a destination that's hiring and like get back into it. But I think, uh, I don't know about you, but it kind of felt like, all right, this is the time to really like, it's sink or swim and we're showing that we can swim. 100%. And that, and it just, it made, it made sense. I mean, so many things made sense. I, when I consider, like, when I think back on like the speed in which I was living life, which yeah, I, to be honest, I will probably go back to that speed just because that's how I, I operate. But I mean, that you know, for 2019, for the latter half, it, or actually for much of 2019, the, the first half, if I was in LA, I was working. And if I was not working, I was not in LA. I'm talking about getting off of planes from East Asia, going home, putting on my suit, slapping on the name tag and going to work. Like wow. there's only so long that you can do that, you know? And yeah. it's, and, and by the way, I mean, no regret, other option. Like, this is how I have to do it. And I'm so grateful that um, that I had the flexibility and I had the support of my colleagues in my hotel. So, okay, yeah, it might be work every single day, but if you are trying to build something that you know you are working for yourself or you're, you have a bigger dream, you do have to work every single day, as I know mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, and I was just on a panel recently and we're talking about, it was more like education towards uh, people in the hospitality like going through schooling and trainings to become a hospitality expert, whether they're in rooms and food and beverage or whatever, that they're just going to like hotel schools. And it was like, we were talking about, there's so many different ways to actually be in the hospitality or travel industry, other than the typical hotel school, front desk, bellman, food and beverage, catering, all that type of stuff. There's so many opportunities and stories like yours is a great example. And I love that because it's like, you can really take something you're passionate about, something that most people, when they think of travel or hospitality, don't really think of, but it's super cool. And is actually a big, big place in, in what we do. So I think it's just a great example and story of, of, of all that. Um, but I have a question because yeah. I'm new to the concierge side. Like okay. I, I was a great front desk agent. I could definitely connect people to the local like scene and community, but you talked about uh, an organization. Now, can you describe what this organization is that you're a part of? And then also, is that where you got your training? Like what is this extensive concierge background of yours that got you your wings basically? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, okay, I'll first address training. Okay. On the job. <laughs> okay, perfect. Totally on the job. <laughs> so I moved to LA. I had previously worked at the Four Seasons in Washington, DC while I was going to school at Georgetown. And when mm -hmm. I moved to LA, I was like, hotels make sense. I'll apply for a job there. My background was more F&B. So I applied as like a cocktail server, bartender. And the general manager was like, I think you'd make a good concierge. And mm -hmm. I knew a little bit about concierge at that point, but mind you, I was like 22 at a five-star five diamond hotel yeah. in Beverly Hills. Did you uh, go back to that general manager and say thank you for recommending oh. a concierge position? <laughs> 100% I have I have gone back to him and um, in fact when I won my award uh, I actually won the award best young concierge in the world in 2000 yo in 2015 <laughs> um, I sent him a really special note because I'm like I, there's no way I would be on this concierge journey if it, if it weren't for him but I at the time when he offered me the position I was like I'll be really honest with you I, I just moved to LA I know how to get from my house 
to here <laughs> and the gas station, uh, but I'm really good with maps. Really, like that was like my thing to get me the job. I'm good with maps. Uh, and he, he kind of chuckled. He was like, you'll be fine. He's like, you got this. And so I learned uh, on the fly and I had amazing mentors along the way. Uh, at that time, I was, that was the Lermitage Beverly Hills, fantastic colleagues that really just helped me. And then, uh, and then I ended up moving to the peninsula Beverly Hills. And, uh, you know, as much as I learned at the Lermitage, which is an incredible property, the peninsula was like, dude, that was next level and the training and, you know, my, my former boss there is an exceptional human being, an incredible boss, so cool, calm, collected. He is like the man for everything. And to, I mean, I've always, to aspire to be like him, you know, in a sense, you know, that he's just like, he just, he gets it. Um, he, and so I'm so thankful for the, the mentorship opportunities. Now, with that being said, Lake Clay Door, Lake Clay Door is the elite organization of professional concierge. It is an international mm -hmm. organization. And, um, you know, there's requirements. You have to be a concierge for a certain number of years. You have to have two sponsors um, that sponsor you into it. And, um, and yeah, so it's it getting into it is a feat in and of itself. It's not yeah. easy. They don't accept just anyone who's been a concierge. There's a lot of specific requirements. And um, that was another monumental moment for me in my career and that it really, you know, reinvigorated my passion for, for the profession. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's what Lake Claydor is, that elite um, professional organization of hotel concierge. And then in, in 2015, I won best young concierge in the world. And by the way, I was representing the U.S. So go team USA. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually the first time that somebody from the U.S. had won. So it was a, awesome. a lot of special moments. Yeah, that's super cool. So you're like really leading the charge in this like unique niche of travel and hospitality. Um, I think that's super cool. And can you explain like a little bit of, <laughs> I think you, you talked on like on the job training just a little yeah. bit and can you explain how common that is for a lot of people? Because a lot, like pod, even podcast listeners who maybe are like in tech or different areas of uh, hospitality, like, yeah, uh, what kind of training and professional like background do you have? It's like, uh, I learned on the fly. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting. So there are obviously two routes that you can go. Um, and uh, the one, you know, would be if you go to one of the hotel schools, there are some phenomenal ones. I mean, I happen to be in Europe right now, not too far away. You have um, the school in Lausanne, which is really famous. My cousin went there who got me into hotels. Um, oh, wow. You also have Le, Le Roche, which is another one that actually the general manager of this hotel went to. Um, and then you have, I think, which is what most of us are, is that you just learn on the fly and hope that you either are in, uh, you know, I started at a Four Seasons and I have to say that that was such an incredible way to get introduced to hospitality because they have a very structured um, training program and onboarding program through through HR. And mm -hmm. so that was such a perfect way to get my feet wet and to know what certain standards were. Um, and then, you know, so certainly it's, it's the onboarding experience um, when you get to a hotel, but then the second part is the mentorship. And hopefully, you know, you do have some incredible colleagues that are seasoned and gracious with their knowledge and um and you can learn from them as well too so um yeah i mean i've always been of that school of thought 
because that's what I did. But, you know, there's always a lot that you can learn in hotel school, but I always, and I'm sure you can, uh, you can agree with this, is that the number of times you may have seen people come out of hotel school and even still, they have to learn on the job. Yes, yeah. they might have the, the technical skills from the school, but they still have wide eyes, like, oh, figuring it out for the first time in person. So. Yeah. yeah, when they have 600 check-ins that day and they're like, um, nobody yeah. tra- taught me how to do this. Um, yeah, no, I totally get it. And I remember like, see, there's like, that's one thing, like I'm not against hotel schools. I'm not against, um, like I'm a big ambassador for hotel.school. It's uh, basically a bunch of Swiss management uh, mm-hmm. hotel uh, hoteliers and educationers uh, really just created this online platform for people during the pandemic to like really get like upskills and reskills. But there's always this conversation. People are like, oh, do you think I need to go to hotel school in order to become good at hospitality? I was like, I'll go back to my first interview. I never was at a, a, a Four Seasons. I wish I actually kind of did, but I'm glad I started off with an autogra- autograph collection with Marriott. Mm-hmm. And um, still, like you said, great standards on the beginning. They really like, if you want to get really brought into the industry, go with a property or a brand that has like that great sense of service and onboarding their their people with that hospitality mindset. Um, but go back to my first interview. He was like, do you have any experience in the hospitality industry? I was like, no, no hotel, no experience, like not at all. He's like, all right, how are you with people? And I was like, I'm great. I'm great with people. I love people. Yeah. And uh, he goes, awesome. How are you with uh, like software and checking stuff? I'm like, I probably will be a little rusty, but if you teach me um, that part, I will pick up really quickly. And he goes, awesome. Because if you answered the first question wrong, I wouldn't even ask you the second question because I can't teach you how to take care of people, how to be a servant, how to really be, you know, anticipating of people's needs and all this other stuff. Like I can't teach that. That's something that you have to have. And um, so I think the hotel school is great if you have that, you can learn everything else. Um, But if you don't have that part, I feel like you're going to suffer and not have an enjoyable time in hotels yeah. or hospitality because there's a lot that goes into it. And especially the, the wide-eyed look that you just described. <laughs> totally, um, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so I remember there, there's the, the, the art of concierge. Do you, mm-hmm. I want to get your opinion on that right now, especially during pandemic. Like, yeah. do you think, like, can you describe what you think this is going to look like when it comes to concierge services? Um, is that a smaller niche in the hospitality industry? Are concierge really popular around other places? Like I just not familiar with it in the U S uh, we had a concierge on my first property, but she ended up becoming front desk. So it's like, I just want to make sure, like, I want to get your overall perspective on this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, when it comes to, you know, as far as like concierge, it, I mean, first of all, it's a, it's a tough, tough time right now. Um, if you don't have guests coming in, you know, they, a lot of hotels have been actually looking like, okay, well, why, um, why have the concierge working, <laughs> you know, and it's, um, and it's not, and it's not to disrespect them. And in fact, a lot of these managers should actually look to keep their concierge on and maybe be like, okay, maybe we'll have the concierge help do front desk because the concierge are the ones that know what's open. They have their finger on the pulse of the city and, you know, it's going to be interesting, I think, when we come out of this, just in operations in general, because yeah. in all of these conversations, and I think maybe maybe you've even noticed this, but like especially on Clubhouse and this, everybody's talking about like sales and occupancy and this, but it's like, okay, well, how are you going to manage like the the operations? 
Like you have a staff of this many now, and then you're going to have to get this many people on board really quickly. And that's tricky. I, I'm not saying I have an answer to that, but I'm saying that it's something that, you know, these managers should definitely be, and owners should be keeping in mind and that like, you don't want to eliminate everybody or just have everybody on furlough and then have them come back and be ready to go like zero to 60. Yeah. So coming out of it's going to be really tricky um, because I, I do think that at some point there is going to be this, like, I call it the rubber band effect, like letting go of the rubber band and it's like, boom, travels back. Um, and before that, it'll be up and down, of course. Um, but the but, revenge travel, like we were talking about, I think yeah. we both have kind of talked about that in different rooms and stuff. And so I think that's yeah, a great example of the rubber band effect, like you're saying. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely the rubber band effect. I mean, it's it. So that's obviously like one part of it. But then it's like, OK, let's talk about the guest experience and what are guests craving? Well, what are, what are a lot of us doing? A lot of us are kind of quarantining or, you know, like we're, we're not seeing as many people as we normally, we might not be even going out to restaurants. So it's, it's going to be really interesting that I actually feel like people are going to be craving the human interaction. Yes, they want it safe. Yes, they want it clean, but they're really going to be craving that human and one-on-one -on -one interaction. So I actually feel like you know, uh, it will be very beneficial to have the concierge on, not only because they know the city, they're going to be really on top of their game as far as what's coming back, when, regulations, etc. But then also to be that extra, that extra experience. And I think that that's what's always been so tricky for managers, you know, depending on their background, is that sometimes they can't put, um, you know, a specific number on the value of the concierge. But, um, but what is the value? The value is it's that extra, that special sauce. It's it might be you know the concierge can be the key person that takes the experience um, from being not a great experience to a memorable one, one that they talk about forever. It, the concierge can also form those relationships with guests that they end up being repeat and repeat and repeat guests. So there's so much that you know the concierge bring to the table. Um, you know, again, I think it's just going to be murky waters ahead, but, uh, but I mean, all in all concert services will definitely be needed coming out of this. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I think it comes back to like, when we're talking about other conversations with OTAs and direct bookings. And I think, um, you know, I, I love Marriott, for example, so I always reference them, but, yeah. um, is the, the fact of like, they always are pushing brand loyalty when it comes to the Bonvoy program and a few other things. But I think concierge add really to that loyalty feel. Like I feel more loyal because I have connected with a human on property that knows exact, not just like how to, you know, get to this good restaurant or whatever, but actually knows like the little hole in the walls and the, the unique like personal touches like you're talking about. Um, so I think that is pretty key to, like you said, what you just coming back into a creative way and obviously a safe way once we come out the other side of this yeah. um do you think the concierge stuff will become more virtual like is that a thing that you think like in a sense of communications and other things but then still have that person ready to rock and roll when there's people on I staff mean, 
I, that's a that's a really good question. I don't know. I mean, it was already kind of there to begin with, as far as virtual in the sense that you know, reaching out ahead of time during the stay, the texting capabilities, texting requests. So we were already kind of living in that space ahead of time uh, or mm -hmm. prior to, to uh, the pandemic. And I, I think that that will definitely remain. I, but I don't think that that's the only way that we're going because I do, there are still, especially in like high end luxury properties, those people that wanna go to the concierge to help them find their, um, their Birkin bag, or they want to help them, you know, track down that really, really special um, Rolex that they're looking for. So it's like there are things or to get them into that restaurant that they can never get into. So in those really high end properties, though, that luxury clientele, they expect a concierge. And so mm -hmm. I think that you will really see in these high end, end properties that they're not they're not taking the concierge away. They can't, they can't. that they, their guests wouldn't know what to do without it because it is so much a part of the experience. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. No, that's awesome. And how many, so like for a, a location like that or a destination with that type of clientele, how many concierge usually are on a property at once? Just yeah, so no, 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 that's a great question. And again, it depends on property, properties, um, but I think a lot of it also depends on the room. So it depends on the number of rooms and then like the, um, the, the, the type of guests that you have. Mm -hmm. So I'm choosing my words wisely, uh, yeah. carefully. <laughs> um, so for example, like at the, the peninsula in Beverly Hills, like they had seven concierge. They had about 200-ish rooms, just about 200 yeah. rooms, where you had the Beverly Wilshire Hotel in, Be in the heart of Beverly Hills, about 400 rooms, I think. Three, three, 400, 450, uh, they had, at one point, they had 12 concierge. And that was like mind blowing. But then you take a look at like Vegas and I've talked to people in Vegas and they're like, we have 50 concierge on staff. I'm like 50, that's an army whoa. of concierge. Whoa, yeah. whoa, that's incredible. So, uh, you know, it all depends. I worked at a, but I worked at a boutique property. It was a four star property, 225 rooms. And we had I call three and a half. So three and a part-time, you know, mm. to because you had that floater to just kind of help in case people wanted to take time off, but in essence, three. So it really does depend. Um, and I think also a lot of it kind of depend, it depends on the nature of the, of the property, but then also like the um, skills of the concierge as well. True. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Now <laughs> I know we've been talking a little bit like industry insights, but I'm dying to hear if you have any crazy or like funny stories from your 15 years of concierge experience, oh like, God. is there one that you're just like, when you're with friends or family, you just have to tell them that, okay, this one story happened at this property or whatever. Yeah. I mean, oh gosh, it's so, so this is what's interesting. And I'm sure you'll agree with this is that after you've been in the industry for some time, nothing surprises you. Like at the yes, end, people yes. would be like, oh, I have a tough one for you. And I'm like, I almost felt like I was like, what was it? Uh, Marge's, Sim Marge's sisters from the Simpsons where I'd be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like surprise <laughs> me, you know, obviously I was not doing that. But I mean, yeah. internally I was doing that. I was like, yeah, surprise me. Okay. But, um, but uh, what I had, so I have a couple of, of, of fun stories. I have ones where, um, okay, so one, this is one of my favorite stories just because it was so kind of cute and kind of crazy. Uh, I had a guest that was, it was in Los Angeles and they wanted to go to the Magic Castle. 
for those that don't know, it, um, in Los Angeles, there's a place called the Magic Castle, which is um, a members only magic, um, magic event space, basically. And so they have magicians, they have dinner, dinner's not that great, but, uh, but lots of really great magic. And you can only get in by being invited. And so the person had asked, and I think it was something like around Valentine's Day, it was something weird that it was like, just time was not on our side and we couldn't get him in. But I was like, hey, well, how about this? If you can't go to the magic castle, like maybe we can bring magic to you. Would you be open to having an in-room magician come? Yeah, that's great. So next thing you know, I'm like interviewing magicians, like Googling, like figuring out, finding out like, okay, is sleight of hand? Is there then like, like all the different types of like magic? And I'm like, okay. And then presenting it and then how much it would be. And then he chose one. And then it was like, oh, cool. Well, we're a pet friendly hotel, but didn't think about, are we, is he allowed to bring like a rabbit and a dove? Cause that's now part of the whole magic show. And I remember having to go to the general manager and being like, so I was able to do this for the guests. And the general manager was like, amazing. And I'm like, yeah, so um, is it okay if he brings his, his rabbit and his dove into the room? <laughs> and the general manager just laughing. It was like, yeah, yeah, we could do that that's fine <laughs> but it was just this whole moment and it ended up being such a special memorable moment for the guest and to be able to create that you know and it's also kind of ties into like I was able to create magic no pun intended yeah but no. <laughs> but it was cool and it was funny and I think for me some of the the, the fun moments were definitely um you know obviously creating these really memorable moments for guests but also these moments where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. Because like when you're in the zone and I know that you get this, even though you weren't necessarily a concierge, like you were very much on the front lines, you know? And it's like, you get in this zone and the zone is you have to figure out a solution, whether it's a guest complaint, whether it's a request, whatever it is. And it's like, when you just like roll up your sleeves and you're like, we're gonna figure this out and then you make it happen those moments are the ones that are really memorable for me, you know, mm. where I'm really like, oh, okay, cool. That just happened. I can't believe that just happened. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. Well, it plays totally into the times that we're in now, like, cause we can't, like a lot of people aren't able to go get that experience. So we have oh, to yeah. kind of like, I, I know we've all been seeing, you know, hoteliers and restaurateurs, like bringing the experience to them, like making to go cocktail kits and you can learn how to do it with the chef via a QR code on the, in a video, like yeah. all these certain little things that you're able to bring the experience home or to you. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that, that that story plays perfectly with, with that and what we've been like adapting to as an industry as a whole. Well, and that's the whole thing with, with uh, concierge. The, I think probably one of the best traits of a good concierge is adaptability because mm -hmm. every day we're throwing something new and arguably we have to make the impossible possible. And so that specific... I, I would say a trait more than maybe a skill, but a trait of being adaptable, being flexible, being like, okay, we're just going to figure it out. Uh, for those that really have that, they've been able to kind of make the best out of this year or this past year. So, um, you know, I think that that's also one of the, again, one of those key traits that like you want to have somebody on your staff that's adaptable. That's like, hey, we're going to figure it out. Oh, if I have to go upstairs and help like do a turndown for a room or do something, 
It's not the, oh, that's not my, in my job description or, or, oh, questioning. It's like, no, anything to get the job done. And that's, it's all about having the right attitude. That's great. And it totally plays in with, again, just the overall flexibility of the year that we've had to <laughs> overcome as an industry. Um, yeah. I, I, w- I wanted to ask you on the sense of, do you think this is something that's going to, like, this is a positive thing that we can spin from this craziness that we've had? Like, do you think just what you're describing now, being able to be adaptable and flexible and not say, well, we've operated like this for 20 years. This is how the industry has always been. And just kind of taking that mindset out and just kind of applying it now, like, how can we do better? How can we make sure that we don't go back to like the, sh- like, even as hoteliers, the small profit margins and like the for, like the poor, whatever stuff that we were, like all the connectivity issues with OTAs and PMSs and like, ah, uh, yeah, gonna get me all wound up. Um, but, uh, but like, that's, do you think that's something that we can turn into a positive for moving forward and as we come out on the other side? Totally, totally. I mean, I think that really, you know, here's the thing, we all experienced this together mm-hmm. and we all face challenges. They Granted, they've all been different, but it's been a challenging year for so many of us. And I I think that the positive is, is that we've all been forced to come to terms with the fact that you just, you have to expect the unexpected. Mm -hmm. And so with that mindset of expecting the unexpected, like that, I think that in and of itself is gonna be so beneficial to us moving forward. You know, on the other hand, I also believe that um, in in the short-term memory of humans. <laughs> so I do feel like there might be a transition period and next thing you know, uh, we're also creatures of habit. So some changes that we have seen in this interim, we might move past pretty quickly. And then obviously some changes will be here to stay. So, I mean, I do see foresee the future being very similar to what it was before, but then, you know, there'll just be, you know, certain key changes depending, you know, for example, you can look at uh, TSA after 9-11, you know, Mm -hmm. like before that, like, you know, everybody could go to the airport. I think I did a scavenger hunt in the airport once. Anyway, so (laughs) I guess I was always in my jeans to to be part of it, Um, the travel industry, but uh, but like, at, for example, after 9-11, you know, our whole uh, travel experience changed. And now we expect to go through TSA and get checked. And that's that's normal. So, uh, you know, I don't know what that specific thing will be, whether it is the cleanliness standards or, or what, but there's going to be something that will stick with us, you know, kind of moving forward. But then I think a majority of the travel experience will go back to looking like what it did before. No, I, I hope you're right on the cleanliness standards part. That's uh, the, the biggest thing. I'm like, yes, I know how exactly it's been cleaned. Thank God. Um, because that's always been, yeah, long story short. Um, but no, for any, uh, so my, my audience, um, from what I've gathered through surveys and just getting to know my, my listeners is a lot of mix of hoteliers, restaurateurs, and even short-term rental managers or service providers. So a good mix of three pillars of hospitality. Uh, any advice that you've just like personally have learned uh, from this time or just from your years of experience and just being the amazing concierge that you are, what would you give any advice to any listeners that are in hospitality and want to continue to grow their, their professional career or business or whatever? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, okay, well, it'll be a couple things because I can never decide on one thing. And maybe exactly. it's the concierge side of me that's always talking about give at least three options. So uh, first of all, I would say, um, don't underestimate human connection. At the end of the day, do not underestimate it, especially in this industry, the human connection that is, that is the cornerstone of hospitality. So it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter the building that you're in. That is, that is the glue that puts it all together. So definitely human connection. The other thing is, which I had mentioned a bit before, is adaptability. Is that, hey, like you have to just kind of roll with it and have that solutions oriented mindset. That's the most important thing. Um, and then three is to, is to just like never stop growing because again, it is this, you're never gonna know all the answers. The, the, first of all, there's no fun in that. But secondly, if, if you just always have to be, have that growth mindset because every day you're gonna be thrown a new challenge. And if you go at it with an open mind, a sense of curiosity, you're just going to set yourself up for success. So those are my three things. Awesome. I'm pretty sure you can relate to like, I don't know, recently, have you been like going to bed and your head just feels like it's throbbing because you're learning so much throughout the day? There's yeah. so much going on. Yeah. Or yeah. I can't go to sleep because it's like thinking of all these different ideas because a lot of times it's learning so much, but then it's inspiring new ideas as well. Yeah. Oh, I feel it. Um, my head's throbbing just thinking. Uh, no, that's awesome. Well, Sarah, I honestly think it's so cool what you're doing. Uh, obviously, I like I've looked into your website. I looked into your social medias. I've like followed you from the moment I first you know found out about you on LinkedIn. And so I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show and thank you for bringing uh, your energy to the to the podcast experience on Slick Talk here. It's been quite. Um, what do you call it when it rubs off on you? Quite. Uh, what what's that? Um, oh gosh. Uh, it's quite an energy. It's, yeah, it's quite um, whatever. I don't know. It's quite exciting, and it's it's definitely rubbing off, and I could feel it through the screen. So I think it's super cool. Um, where can people find you? Just because even though I'm putting it in the show notes, everyone knows yeah. that. Um, but where where's everything at? Absolutely. So uh, for starters, you can just head to my website, which is askaconcierge.tv, or you can find me on social media pretty much everywhere as Ask a Concierge, um, or connect with me on LinkedIn as Sarah Dandeshi. So by the way, Will, thank you so much for inviting me on and for letting me do this from Lisbon, by the way, as the yeah. sun was going down. For those of you that are watching the video version, you can see that the sun has gone down and I've been adjusting my life, but um, it's been it's been so amazing to be here. And, and thank you again so much for having me on. Of course, of course, it's a true pleasure. We'll have to stay connected and I'll see you in the club, AKA Clubhouse. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. And Slick Talkers, you can find everything in the show notes below. So feel free to check everything out and we'll see you again next week. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. 
And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast.